Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host Leo, and today we're talking Doctor Who. But not just any Doctor Who, we are talking the 60th anniversary specials that just about came out. <laughs> by the time that we are talking about this, or at least by the time this episode goes out, the specials came out like a couple weeks ago, and today, Christmas Day, should be when the first episode of the newest season of Doctor Who should be coming out. And then, I guess the rest of the series comes out this spring it's doctor who's weird sometimes with how its release works but we'll talk about that later so why am i doing the specials well besides the fact that it's the newest thing it's also a bigger thing plus it's not just where i'm starting because next week i will be talking about season one or the 2005 season of doctor who where uh, the ninth doctor with Eccleston, which is a little bit longer than I was expecting, so it's gonna be a bit of an episode next week. But I figured, hey, you know, Doctor Who has Christmas specials and whatnot, so why not? Why not do this? Though, I will say that technically I should include the first episode of, of the new series in this, but I want to get to the newest Doctor when the whole season's out, which is going to be a while away. But I do plan on kind of incorporating doing episodes of Doctor Who here and there, maybe a little bit often to try to get caught up. But with that said, let us go ahead and kind of start with some stuff. So like always, let's talk my history. And I probably won't go as in-depth into my history next episode because, well, it's going to be about the same. So I got into Doctor Who... I believe around the time Peter Capaldi was going to be the new Doctor. He either was going to be the new Doctor or he was the new Doctor at the time. And I wanted to get caught up. So I started at the beginning. This was when Doctor Who was on Netflix, I believe. And I just started watching. And I enjoyed it. It was a little bit weird, especially... And we'll talk about this more specifically in in the next episode when I talk about the first season of, you know, I guess technically New Who. Because Doctor Who's weird. It had like 26 or 27 seasons before it got cancelled. And then it came back in 2005 with... Well, I, I think there was also some specials and a movie that came out in between. But it came back properly for a series in 2005 and has pretty much been going since. So I decided to, you know, I'm not going to deal with the old stuff because one getting access to it is a pain in the ass otherwise I, I could i can start at a certain place luckily you know doctor who comes built in with like a nice little breaking point and technically according to some sources they've been considering this newest doctor who as kind of another breaking point similar to eccleston to where they're they're referring to this new who as season one even though it's still going to be within the same continuity it's complicated you know that that's doctor who for you complicated and silly but yes so as with again many things it started with curiosity i was very curious about doctor who made more so by a friend of mine in high school now he was a very eccentric person he he could recite to you the entirety of the back to the future script and he wore suits to school every day uh, I respected his style, and he was a very fun guy. But he, one of his things was Doctor Who, and it was one of the series that he recommended to me. And when someone tends to recommend a series, especially a fairly popular-ish series, I do take a little bit of interest and actually try to find a way to watch it. And that, that's kind of how I got into Doctor Who. Now, it was again around the time that Capaldi was either... He'd been the Doctor for a season, or he was about to be the Doctor is when I started. But regardless, by the time I caught up to the Capaldi era, uh, he had definitely been the Doctor for at least a season or two. It was sadly around the Capaldi era that I dropped off. You know, I, I started it with Eccleston. It was a little bit hard to get into, because the first plot lines that they kind of choose for supposed to be kind of an, a new entry into the series were a little bit weird and again we'll talk about it more next time but yeah it, the first few stories that they chose were a little bit awkward so i i watched that put it down picked it back up watched the entire season enjoyed it put it down picked it back up watched all of david tennant then got into matt smith and watched all the way through and then I started watching Capaldi, but something didn't quite feel right for me for some reason, so I ended up falling off again. So that's where it was until the Jodie Whittaker era. Now, for the Jodie Whittaker era, I was excited. I was like, okay, new Doctor, new me. <laughs> 
I'm going to hop on and see what it's like. I'm very excited to see what this new Doctor is going to bring. And I watched the first three episodes, and then I ended up falling off again. I don't know why. I guess it, the stories just weren't quite gripping me as hard as I thought that they would. And maybe it was because all there was like so many companions for for the thirteenth Doctor that I, I just I just kind of fell off. But then something interesting happened. At the end of Jodie Whittaker's era, when she was set to regenerate, she regenerated into David Tennant again. And that is where we pick up with these specials. So the news was very confusing uh, at the time because they had announced who the new Doctor would be. It was announced that Shurigatwa would be the new Doctor, but when the regeneration came, it was David Tennant. Then afterwards, it it was announced that David Tennant would be appearing in three specials and you know there's the whole news that the new Doctor Who seasons would be airing on Disney Plus in America which I mean hey for me is fine I, I have that so I can watch it and whatnot and then of course it was later stated that just the new stuff is coming to Disney Plus all the old stuff is pretty much staying where it was and for me that is currently on Max so I will be watching it on there to get caught back up now that kind of brings us back to well now where we are so there was of course a bunch of questions and they're using that big question a lot in the advertising of these specials the question of why why is david tennant back why did the doctor regenerate into this form now something that we are told now is that this is the 14th doctor that david tennant is the 14th doctor so he is now the 10th and the 14th doctor so so what does it mean well Let's get into the specials, shall we? So the, the the first special, which is called the Star Beast, is a bit of a weird one because when the episode begins, we open up on this weird, like, ethereal void situation where David Tennant is kind of catching us back up to where we were, at least explaining his part of the story up to this point, which is explaining him and his relationship with Donna and whatnot because, of course, in a lot of the promotional material leading up to it you know it was revealed that hey since david tennis back they're bringing back donna and everything but it's a good thing that they did this because there's a good chance that a lot of fans hadn't watched the david tennant era in a, a long time so it was a good refresher to be like oh right that's what happened to donna right uh, drama lots of drama so what happened he appears and he's just wandering around he knows that he needs to stay away from donna because if donna remembers him and since he has this face again there's a good chance that if he were to run into her she would recognize him and memories would come back and he's worried about that but he immediately runs into donna she's struggling with some packages he goes to assist realizes it's donna puts them back and then starts walking away but she's like hey what what the hell is that so he comes back and continues to help and it turns out that donna has had a kid a daughter in the 15 years since uh, she also got married which i believe happened at the end of her thing because they show some footage and whatnot and she was supposed to, she either either she won the lottery or her fiance slash husband won the lottery i can't fully remember again i'd need to rewatch that stuff you know because i believe the doctor had manipulated it so that she would have a comfortable life but in the time between it turns out she gave it all away she gave it all away and there's the big question of why and whatnot here some quick catch up the reason why donna can't interact with the doctor because he's worried that she'll remember him is because in their last interaction in order to save him i believe she touched something that ended up putting part of his mind into her body and he was worried that since his mind is billions of years old that it could kill her so what he had to do was erase her mind so that she couldn't remember anything of the adventures that they had because if she were to remember she would die so that, that's that's the issue is that her mind had kind of melded with his and it was about to kill her and that's kind of the central plot of this episode kind of <laughs> at least that's the um the connecting tissue because while interacting with donna and her daughter well a spaceship starts crashing to earth but donna doesn't take notice because she's busy trying to like reorganize the boxes so it's easier to carry but her daughter rose does notice and is watching with the doctor as this ship crashes and just as it gets out of sight, Donna pops back up and takes her daughter home. So then the doctor runs over to a taxi, which is conveniently being manned by Donna's husband. The doctor 
gets a ride from the taxi and starts playing catch up with with him using information that he knew to help figure out what's happened in the past 15 years what where'd the money go oh it turns out she donated it all okay so what like everything okay and he's like oh you know it's fine we're happy and whatnot though it's getting a bit tough their daughter rose which confuses the hell out of the doctor because obviously the doctor has the whole thing with rose where where he left her in an alternate dimension with a copy of himself so that they could be happy forever off in another dimension it's weird (laughs) like i said doctor who is very silly at times and very weird and dark at other times and these specials definitely embody that a lot so it turns out the the ship was housing a creature called the meep and the meep which was thrown up a lot of weird stuff because one the first thing that the meep says is meep meep which of course makes me think of uh, the roadrunner so that was very weird. But also the Meep reminds me of Meep from Phineas and Ferb. But I believe it's supposed to be a reference to something else. I'm not entirely sure. Th- like this is the 60th anniversary special. So obviously a lot of legacy creatures are being brought forward. And legacy concepts and whatnot are, are being brought forward and modernized. As I don't know a lot of the old stuff. But I'm guessing that the Star Beast Meep is something similar to, to that. But anywho... It's a cute little cuddly toy. Donna's daughter Rose interacts with Meep and takes it in and um, fixes fixes their hand because they, they have a bit of a cut and starts taking care. Donna ends up interacting with the Meep and starts having a bit of an issue because it's an alien and she's been repressing all these memories and whatnot because she was forced to, but she feels like she's missing something. Her mom obviously knows still and was warned by the doctor to not let her remember else she might die but of course the doctor having gone to investigate the starship sees what kind of starship it is and whatnot but he's kind of hiding out because he's confused interacts with this group called the unit they obviously know of the doctor because the doctor is involved with so many organizations it's it gets dizzying sometimes but they work out some questions and he's confused so he goes with the military group well they're kind of like a military group to go to donna's house or at least near donna's house he didn't know it at the time but yeah we also see that there is something hunting the meep i don't think we really get i think they said what the name of the species is but we i I don't remember (laughs) to be honest it's said so infrequently but they're like this big bug creature but they're after the meep the doctor when he is dropped off he sees or he hears commotion goes to donna's house sees the meep and ends up going in and investigating and it's a big kerfuffle but around that time back at the ship they were sending a group of people to go into the ship to investigate it but when they opened it some energy came out of it and hit them in the face and they they ended up going star mad or i think is what it's called star madness or something like that they end up getting controlled and head out that group also converges on donna's house the bug people converge on donna's house and they both break in and start shooting at each other so the doctor creates a force field manipulates it to where like it's in front of their lines of fire so that everyone can funnel out of the room that they're in to get upstairs they get out but the doctor notices something as they're escaping that the bug people are using non-lethal mean there's no damage to the car even though it's been hit by their blasts and the person on the ground was just knocked out not dead so the doctor holds a mock court and he pulls out somehow a wig from his coat and puts it on you know classic british judge wig he pulls it out puts it on and he starts holding a court he summons two of the bug people to this parking garage and starts running through a mock trial he talks about how the bug people didn't damage the car and how they didn't um kill the guy and asks but why so the bug people start to explain the meep are from a planet where the sun mutated them the sun mutated them in such a way that they became madly violent so they ended up going to war with each other and condensing down to just this last meep the leader of them the one that is the cruelest and whatnot 
So then the doctor says, okay, well, let's hear the meep's side. At which point the meep says, well, fuck this. Pulls out a gun and shoots the two bug people who end up dying. And, you know, he goes full mask off. And he's getting ready to kill the doctor. When the doctor says, nah, if you don't, uh, you need to take us hostage and whatnot. So that, uh, reasons. And the meep goes, yeah, sure. So takes them hostage. All the while, Donna's been trying to figure out, like, okay, so who are you? Why do I, like, something feels weird. Ever since he came back and whatnot, or came here, things have been weird. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm no one, I'm just passing through. And she's like, why does my mom seem to know you? And whatnot. He's like, oh, no reason, no, nothing, it's fine. So, you know, she's starting to maybe pick some stuff up, but nothing's, you know, fully come into fruition. They're taken to the steel mill where the ship is, and I guess most, if not all, of the unit soldiers that were there are now mind-controlled. They're getting ready to set up the ship. So the ship, they call it a, like a dual-blade thing. Basically, the way the ship takes off is it plunges its bottom bit into the ground and burns a, like, I think they said 10-kilometer or 10-mile radius around it as its fuel to take off which would have killed about nine million people destroyed london so they have to stop the ship luckily the person that was interacting with the doctor prior like when he was investigating the ship initially is fine somehow i mean it seems that all the other soldiers got brainwashed but uh but she's fine she's just there but uh she has darts that shoot out of her wheelchair and missiles, very handy, as she blows up a wall for him to go to get to the, I guess you could call it the control room slash engineer's room of this very small, or at least a relatively small spaceship. Uh, Donna leaves her family, like sends them off to try to get as far away as possible, and rushes off to the doctor. Because for some reason now she fully remembers exactly uh, who, who he is. And goes, at least she knows that it's the doctor. She calls him the doctor as she leaves, and her mom takes notice of that. And is very worried that, of course, she's going to die soon, because she's remembering the doctor. But she meets the doctor into this little tiny control room thing, as he's going around flipping switches. He panics for a bit, but since the door closed, he's like, oh, too late to worry about that now. We need to get this taken care of, so stay here, I'm gonna go do this. But then, for some reason, the this ship has a lockout that makes it to where he can't use the sonic screwdriver, so he has to do it manually. And two, it just has a big old dividing door in it. The Meep activates it, and it's just a big thing that divides the room that makes it to where you can't can't uh, turn turn off turn it off. I guess if you're just one person, she's like, "Hey, you know, let me help. I can help out." And he's like, "Fine. Uh, you hit those switches over there," and they start rushing around trying to do it, but it's a bit too late. The they're starting to activate. They they've run out of time. The only solution is to fully open up Donna's mind and have her remember, you know, the the doctor part that she took in to be able to reverse the takeoff and stop the ship from taking off. And so he does this. He says a bunch of phrases to help her remember and she remembers and that they're off. They do the thing and she almost immediately falls after it's canceled. And then she kind of pops back up after Rose ended up hitting the right stuff to turn it off. And at first I was confused as to why all of a sudden she she was like super smart saying like weirdly, you know, sci-fi bullshit for why what she was flicking was working. But the answer is that because she had a kid, it was no longer split between the doctor and Donna. It was now split between the Doctor, Donna, and Rose. So it became a lot more survivable. And then the explanation for for the, the solution for this thing that was threatening to kill her is that she just needs to let it go. So they let go of the bit of the Doctor that they were holding on to and it's done. It's a bit silly, but hey, it, it worked, I guess. So this episode... That's pretty much how it ends. Uh, they get the Meep arrested by the bug people. It's a bit weird that the bug people, after the trial bit, just don't reappear again. Like, they disappear off of, like, the conflict in the streets. 
they just disappear from the story until the bit where they reappear to arrest the meep. So that that was a bit weird. Also, another thing that's a bit weird is, and I get that as part of the kind of resetting of status quo situation that a lot of Doctor Who episodes kind of have to have. When the dual blade system plunges in, it starts creating this like web of hellscape that... Um, is like breaking through you know, these, these bits that are crumbling down into like making crevices and whatnot. But when it's reversed, it just comes back, like locks back in place and is fine. <laughs> and destruction, damage, who needs it? It healed. But the episode ends with the doctor offering to take Donna to visit her granddad, Wilfred. Now, Wilfred, during the Donna arc of the David Tennant era was probably my favorite character. He he was just very genuine and whatnot, and I loved him. And I was very sad to see if that he, he probably wouldn't be part of Doctor Who ever again, especially when I heard that the actor had died. But we'll, we'll talk about that probably a little bit later. But the episode, again, ends with her wanting to visit her granddad with the Doctor. Earlier in the episode, they did mention him, and it was confused as to whether or not he was alive within the show, because... Yeah, the way they were talking about him made the Doctor think that he might have died, but it turns out he's just in an assisted living place. Specifically with Unit. Unit is the ones taking care of her granddad, supposedly. But, anywho, after a bit of convincing, they convince her family to let Donna go with the Doctor. In, you know, with, with the promise that it would be a, a quick trip. But in classic Doctor Who fashion, something goes wrong. The Doctor gives Donna a cup of coffee. She warns him that that's how she lost her job this, uh, her most recent job was that she accidentally spilled a cup of coffee on a computer and completely killed it she does that knocks out the TARDIS the TARDIS starts going haywire and throws them through space and time the next episode begins the wild blue yonder begins with uh, Isaac Newton going to sit under an apple tree and getting hit on the head with an apple in which he comes up with his theory of gravity at that time, the TARDIS crashes into the tree. They pop out, have a mild conversation with Isaac Newton. Donna makes a horrible joke, um, saying that he's the only one to understand the gravity of the situation. And then they zip off. At that point, uh, the running joke of the, the episode is that Donna accidentally changed the name of gravity to Mavity. Why? I don't I don't fully get how how it would change that. I think it's just that... They're saying that Isaac Newton immediately forgot what Donna said and is just like, okay, Mavity, that's what she said. Yeah, that's the beautiful word she said. But yeah, it ends up being a little bit of a running joke because the next time uh, Donna says gravity, references gravity, uh, she says Mavity. And it, it's a fun little thing. But anywho, they end up crashing in this small metallic room, which it looks like a prison. The doctor sets the TARDIS up to repair because, well... The interior got completely fucked. So he does some fiddling, sticks the sonic screwdriver in to get the TARDIS to kick in its uh, its regeneration to repair itself. As it's doing so, they decide to go for a bit of a wander. They see something off in the distance uh, and go to investigate. And they see that... Um, well, well, they don't see. They They start wandering off towards it. Well, they start hearing the TARDIS leaving, so they go rush back and see the TARDIS gone. After a bit of an argument, he comes to the realization that, okay, it's very likely that the TARDIS, since it was repairing itself, kicked in its um, warning system. So the TARDIS has, I think he calls it the hat drive or something like that, where if the TARDIS ends up in an active combat situation or an active danger situation, uh, the TARDIS just fucks off. If this setting's on. The doctor had turned it off. But he feels that since it was repairing itself. It might have turned it back on. And immediately fucked off. So in order to get back home. And get back to the TARDIS. They have to figure out what caused the TARDIS to leave. And so they do. They set off. Uh, while they're wandering through this massive hallway. The doctor realizes. Oh. If I'm correct. This button. And he steps on it. And it's just like a little uh, vehicle for them to drive. So they drive and go to the thing that they saw further down. And it, it's a little robot. It's a robot about, I don't know, four feet high. And it's just kind of 
stood there. But then a, a voice comes over the speakers, though they can't understand what it said. The ship kind of reconfigured itself, and then the robot took a step. And then that was it. The robot stayed still, so then they continued on to the cockpit of the ship and start doing some investigation. Here's what they find out. There are no life forms on the ship. The last thing that the ship did was an airlock opened three years ago and then closed. Then they hear a banging sound and the ship reconfigures again and the robot takes a step. So they go off to further investigate. The doctor feels that he can probably get things kicked off again to get the ship moving because he's come to the realization that they're at the edge of the universe. So they're at the, the end of everything the edge of nothing <laughs> there's nothing is beyond and whatnot so yeah so that at the end of the universe or the edge of the universe time expanding and whatnot you know he sets her to take these like rectangle sheet things from one shelf up to the next while he goes and fucks with a weird water system they somehow work in tandem and might get the ship going again question mark question mark who knows this this episode's a little heavy on the weird sci-fi bullshit, but who am I to say? While Donna is working on moving things from one shelf to another, and the doctor's fiddling with some pipes, Donna, while she's working on that, starts talking to the doctor who came into the room. They're having a bit of a conversation, and simultaneously the doctor's having a conversation with Donna, who just came into his room. And he's getting a bit confused as to why what he's doing isn't working if she finished her task. Then both the imposter doctor and imposter Donna uh, both start saying, my arms are a bit, are too long. We first see it with uh, the imposter Donna, who has like one really long arm. Then with the imposter um, doctor, he has like huge, like gorilla-like arms. And they both freak out, meet up. These things start chasing them. They get onto their little zippy thing and zip away. And they just start getting too big for the the uh hallway and end up blocking themselves in then the ship reconfigures and they get they get lost and they have to try to find each other now something that they were able to deduce about these things is that they their presence or their coming presence is signified by it getting colder so they they're rushing to try to find each other they come across another version of like so donna comes across another doctor and the doctor comes across another Donna, and they're sitting there trying to figure out how to determine who's the real one. You know, it's a very The Thing situation, except for the fun thing about the imposters is that they they don't fully grasp how they're supposed to be. The whole thing is that they couldn't get the arms right, but they were able to slowly kind of get it right. But when they were having to attack, they start, you know, losing their shape. Again, it's a very weird sci-fi situation. <laughs> they go through they have conversations trying to figure out you know is this the real donna is this the real doctor so the doctor is having a conversation with the donna and is coming to the conclusion that oh maybe she is the real one because she knows about um the whole star child situation the fact that the doctor isn't from gallifrey and whatnot that the the gallifreyans had stolen the doctor as a child and so that makes him think, oh, maybe this is the real Donna, and goes to give her a hug, but she melts into a puddle. Meanwhile, with Donna, she's talking to the imposter doctor, and he comes up with a potential solution of figuring out uh, if he's, you know, the other one's the real doctor, by taking off his tie and putting it on the ground. And his thinking there is that, you know, you know I take off the tie, and the other one won't, or will have a tie, and you'll know the difference. But... He doesn't think of object permanence, and the tie disappears. So she asks, where's the tie? He's like, oh, right, things need to stay existing. So she fucks off uh, and ends up running into the the real doctor, but also the two doppelgangers also show up, and they note that this time it didn't get cold. So they're in a kind of two-by-two standoff, because all four are now there, and they're trying to figure out who's the real who and whatnot. They eventually get it right and start running. They get to the cockpit, cut off the uh, the two imposters, and are just standing there. The doctor comes to the realization that 
the reason that the monsters, well, with Donna's help, of course, Donna keeps asking the question, why Why are they trying to scare us if they're trying to copy us? Why not just hang off to the side? So this gives the Doctor the realization that they need them, the imposters need them scared because it gets them thinking faster. So they're reading their thoughts and is able, by reading their thoughts, they're able to make a more solid, complete version of them. So he's like, we need to stop thinking. For the most part, they do. But then the imposters are like, but why is this? What, you know, starts bringing up the questions of this ship. And so the doctor, being the doctor, of course wants answers. So he starts kind of pushing for answers of like, what happened? Why did the door open and close three years ago and whatnot? So he opens the, he opens the equivalent of the sunroof, I guess. Because there's like this visor thing um, in the ship. I don't know why it's fully there, but eh, I guess it's if you only occasionally want to be able to look above you. But it is revealed that the captain is outside the ship. Long dead, just skeleton. And it is determined that the door opening and closing three years ago was her leaving the ship to kill herself and save, well, the universe, essentially. Because she knew that if these beings were able to complete themselves and whatnot, that they would wreak havoc across the universe. So she needed to do a bunch of stuff to make it to where these creatures couldn't figure out what she was doing and stop her. And what she was doing was reconfiguring the ship into a bomb. And the robot is just a long timer, essentially. So the robot is slowly making its way down and the entire, like, language and whatnot is a countdown sequence to when the ship goes boom the doctor realizes this and of course so do then the these beings or, or whatever they are and they are trying to leave but the doctor's slowing them down he speeds up the timer and whatnot and then it becomes a chase to stop them from stopping the robot from pushing the button it's a big old chase and whatnot but then the imposter doctor goes dog mode and just books it down the hallway but then the doctor comes to the realization that if the timer reaches zero, then technically the danger will be adverted, and thus the TARDIS will come back. And on cue, the TARDIS comes back. He gets in the TARDIS and starts scooting it along towards the two Donnas who have been fighting, comes up to them, and has to try to determine which Donna's the real one, brings back a conversation from earlier about the choir teacher Miss Bean, and he picks a Donna, I'm seemingly at random, and starts to leave. But he starts running a scan on the Donna and realizes that her arms are too long. And so goes back, kicks her out, grabs the other Donna, and then fucks off as the ship explodes. They, you know, have a trauma cuddle because, you know, they went through a big situation. And it turns out that the imposter Donna got so close to being potentially the real Donna, save for their wrist was ever so slightly too long. He was able to then determine which was the real Donna after getting it wrong through questioning. But to be fair, most of the time, the whole questioning line of thought was very flawed because every time they would bring up a thing, well, it was proven that that's not the way to, to determine. So then they go back to her her home. She, they're able to drop her off, but there's something a bit of an issue. So they had mentioned earlier what would happen if... If she never came back. She determined that her daughter would come back once a year. But eventually move on with her life. Uh, her husband would come back every single day. And her dad or her granddad would um, you know, stand guard every single day. And pretty much not move. So when they come back, he's right there. So we do get to see Wilfred for one last time. Now, there is some behind the scenes stuff, of course. The actor for Wilfred... Uh, died during production of these specials he was meant to have more scenes besides this uh end of the episode thing but he did sadly pass away and so the character is still alive but all of his scenes are obfuscated and uh or he's off screen it is very sad that he he didn't get to fully play the part again but he he definitely at least got to be part of doctor who one last time which was very nice there there is a bit of an awkward situation where he's saying you know if anyone can save us it's the doctor and he's the doctor's like i'm sorry what 
and he's like, well, it's the end of the world, essentially. Everything, everyone's gone mad. Everything's gone insane. We don't know what's going on. You need to save us. And at that point, a plane crashes. And that's where the episode ends. Cliffhanger for the next one. Classic. But that's exactly it. What is the next one? So the next one begins with a flashback to 1925 or somewhere about there. I can't fully remember. But it's basically the invention of the TV, where the first face on television was a puppet. Now this, I believe, is actually based off of a true story and whatnot, that the first face on TV was a puppet. I, I remember watching a video on it, at least. But basically what it is, is a guy goes into a toy shop, asks for a puppet, takes the puppet, and then they put it on TV, and then we kind of cut back to, to the present, where... Everything's going a bit mad, and Unit comes to pick up Doctor and Donna. Uh, that's the point where Granddad Wilfred's kind of shuffled off to be taken away. That's the last on-screen appearance of at least the character, because I'm pretty sure it was a double at that point. But yeah, so they're taken to Unit headquarters where they're trying to figure out what's going on, and it turns out that... Oh, and by the way, this episode's called The Giggle. So what, what they're trying to figure out is why all of a sudden this happened so why so some of the th questions that we get is like why is unit okay it's because they have this armband why isn't that being distributed everywhere they tried but it's kind of one of those anti-vax situations where they're like i don't trust this you know controlling thing it's slightly heavy-handed metaphor but it does get the point across anyway <laughs> they go Donna's able to recognize a bit of a pattern in in the spike. So the spike is whenever someone doesn't have the armband on, they have a spike in mental activity when they have this uh, attack, essentially. But yeah, so basically when the director, who is a character that returns, like they have a couple of returning characters from old stuff, which is nice to see. When she takes it off, she goes like full conspiracy theory mode. Until she's able to be restrained and the thing put back on her. But yeah, so so with that, it's shown that the uh, the pattern is in a, a uh, palindromic uh, arpeggio, where it goes up and then down. Uh, it goes da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Everyone, when they hear that, has a flicker of like recognition. And... It is shown that it's the laugh of the puppet that was first shown on TV. The thing behind it, what's causing it, is that that puppet has been put into every single screen. The reason that everything kind of clicked off, finally, uh, for everyone going mad, is that now the entirety of the world is connected by screens and phones and whatnot, you know... So what they tried to do is shoot that last link that started it down, but it doesn't fully solve the problem. Uh, that comes later, though. So the doctor gives them permission to shoot the thing down. And so basically what happened is that the puppet and the laugh, the giggle, has been seeded through every single screen ever and has been slowly driving humanity mad. Um, when they get... When they finally get what the signal and the broadcast originated from, uh, the Doctor and Donna go back to the 1920s to see where the puppet came from. And the puppet came from the toy maker. Uh, in this case, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. And the toy maker is another legacy character who I believe encountered the first Doctor, I think. It was an adversary and had um, the Doctor had beaten them at that time, but has been brought forward or been brought into this universe and the doctor believes that the reason that the toy maker has been brought into this universe is because he invoked a superstition at the edge of the universe so in the last episode as a way to try and um ward off the the non-existent beings he placed down salt to try and uh, stop them, he, he, suggesting that because they're a type of vampire, you know, sucking off their um, essence, that they must 
conform to the superstition that they must count every grain of salt or sand or whatever before they can cross over the line. Uh, only one of them at the time actually fell for it, but the doctor believes that since he invoked the superstition, that is what brought on the toy maker. So they confront the toy maker, well, kind of, the toy maker goes on a rant about the first game, Ball, and then he's like, oh, but if that's the first game, what is the second? Ah, hide and seek, and then fucks off. So so the Doctor and Donna give chase, end up getting separated almost immediately, and get divided. The Doctor encounters a man, specifically the man that picked up the puppet at the beginning of the episode, and he... He says that he came back because he couldn't stop hearing the, the giggle. The, the giggling got to him. So he went and talked to the toy maker. And the toy maker had him play a game, but he lost. So now he's he's a puppet man. So he has like a, a human head on a puppet body. And then the toy maker is like huge in the background or like above the room and whatnot. And it's a weird psychological creepy thing donna ends up in a room with the the wife and children of of the puppet that that uh, was on tv cuz at at the beginning of the episode when the guy buys the puppet the toy maker says oh you should probably take the the wife and kids as well or else they'll be lonely they'll be so sad um but the guy's like, no, we just we just need the one. But yeah, so so she gets attacked by the the wife puppet and the baby puppets. She kills the wife puppet and pretty much warns the baby puppets to stay away, and then she leaves, runs into the doctor, and then they confront the toy maker. So the toy maker has like this little set uh, up to show to Donna the issues of the Doctor. To show her what he's been up to in the 15 years since he left her. And he goes through and says, you know, he's like, after you, he met Amy Pond, has the thing for redheads. She died when she was touched by a weeping angel and snips her strings. And the doctor replies, she lived, she died of old age, I mean, in a different time, but she died of old age. And the, the toy maker comes back with, well, then that's okay. But of course, sarcastically, and he breaks accent because the entire time he has a German accent and occasionally he slips out of it, but he, he, for the most part has a German accent, but then he goes through each of the companions up to the, uh, the 13th Doctor's companions. Like, he, he doesn't actually talk about the, the 13th Doctor's companions because technically nothing really bad happened to them except for the uh, the grandmother who died. But with each one, the Doctor gives an excuse and the, the uh, toy maker comes back with, well, then that's okay then. And eventually, the Doctor confronts him by saying, I challenge you to a game. And the toy maker obliges as he is the toy maker and he is all about games so they play a game and the doctor says that he wants to play a relatively simple game of just split where you take and you split the deck at us at any point and whoever splits the deck and reveals the card uh, and whoever has the highest face wins the doctor pulls and it's an eight and the toy maker pulls, it's a king. The toy maker wins. And he's like, ooh, but what's my prize going to be? The doctor says, well, hold on. It's one all now. I won previously. You won now. It's best of three. So the toy maker says, fine. We'll make it the best of 2023. And fucks off to the future. So they have to run out, go back to 2023 where they've now at this point shot down the satellite but the doctor comes in and says well 
yeah, um, that was just a link in the chain. We have to start. Basically, they, they, he starts trying to prepare the future from, or twenty twenty three specifically, from the toy maker. But oh, what's that music? And then the doctor realizes, oh, he's he's here. And yes, so the toy maker comes in dancing and singing. He turns bullets into flowers. It's a very um, everything everywhere all at once uh, scene. In fact. Very, very much so like it. Uh, where he goes through dancing, causing general chaos and whatnot. He ends up getting control of the laser. There's a big conversation. And then the doctor's like, hey, you know, you're supposed to be focusing with me. You know, we're still one all. We're supposed to play the game. Then... The toy maker shoots the doctor with the laser, and he says, Well, I lost the first game to the previous doctor, and I played this game with this doctor. So now, the next game, I want to play with the next doctor. Because he knows that the doctor regenerates and whatnot, so he wants to initiate the regeneration to have the next doctor. So... They're waiting for the regeneration to happen, and Donna is by his side, and the other companions are. Companion is also there. I, I wish I had more context for her. I know she's one of the older companions, like the legacy ones. I, I do not really remember. <laughs> but, anywho, he starts glowing as if he's going to regenerate, but then it subsides, and he's like, "Um, could you guys?" Like, pull me? This one feels different. So they start pulling him. And then he splits apart into two doctors. He has... He is now both David Tennant and Shutigatwa. And, yeah, so like they fully... Like, they push apart from each other and are now two separate people. And, funnily enough, something that... I noticed because uh, Shuti, who's now the 15th Doctor, because they are saying that David Tennant is indeed the 14th one now, but and uh, Shuti's now the 15th. Uh, he's not wearing any pants, uh, or I guess trousers if, for the UK people. Uh, yeah, he's, he's in his underwear the, <laughs> the entire time. It's very funny and weird. But it's because when they split, they also divided the clothing that they were wearing. At least it is what it looks like, because David Tennant loses the tie and the vest. But uh, Shuti's wearing the tie and the vest, but also a button-up shirt. So either David Tennant was wearing two button-up shirts or something. I don't know, it's weird. But, but anywho, they, they then challenge the Toymaker to a game. Well, I mean, the toy maker got what he wanted, but they challenge him at the same time, and he says, "Well, that's not fair, because you know," and he's they're like, "Hey, you're the one that did this," so they challenge him to ball, a game of catch. Whoever doesn't catch the ball loses, and after an extended scene of catch, the toy maker misses his catch, and they take as their reward for winning. That they banish him from this universe forever. Or this reality forever. He folds up and gets folded into a box and stored away, sealed with salt. Now the explanation for the two doctors is this. That for some reason, they have bi-generated. So instead of just regenerating, like normal, this time the doctor split into two. A new gen regeneration and... The old one. And is now two distinct doctors. They are both the same person, but at the same time, they are now independent of each other. Basically, part of their explanation for why the doctor re reverted to the David Tennant face is partially because he needed a break? Is kind of part of the explanation. At least that's part of the explanation with the, the splitting. Is that 
he needs to just stop. He needs to, instead of all this rushing around and whatnot, he just needs to stop and relax. And because he's been going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. So he just needs to stop. But he says that he couldn't leave the TARDIS. So the new doctor says, well, since by generation, this is the first by generation we've ever had. It's, you know, interesting and weird and who knows what could happen. So he rushes over to a panel in the flooring, opens it, pulls out a mallet, like a, a, a circus mallet. And he's like, well, I mean, let's see. So everyone gets out of the TARDIS. He makes sure everyone's out of the way. And then he like hits hits the TARDIS with the hammer and it splits into two TARDISes. One has uh, wheel wheelchair accessibility and a jukebox, and then the other one's I think the same as it was. And that's where it kind of splits. Now the David Tennant doctor is is still around, though he's hanging out with Donna and her family, uh, taking them on trips here and there having a bit of fun, so there's a good chance that he might pop up in future stories, but it also sets up the new Doctor, and his adventures as they begin. Now, his new episode is going to be on Christmas, and you'd think, oh, well, I probably should have included that as part of this. Uh, well, it, uh, well, one, this episode comes out on Christmas, so I can't. And I can't really include it in the next episode because I'll have pre-recorded that one too. But I will end up talking about the the new Doctor eventually. I don't know exactly how or when. It depends on how much I'm wanting to rush through Doctor Who. Because in theory, what I would have to do is pretty much every other week do an episode of Doctor Who. To maybe get caught up in time for the newest season to be fully airing. Uh, and I don't think I want to do that. So we'll see. We'll see how fast I'm going to be able to get caught up. I mean, I have a lot of other things to, to do episodes on too. But I do intend to work my way slowly through Doctor Who. Because I want to be caught up fully for this new Doctor. I want to have... All the previous story, at least fully, fully is hard to to say. Because what I mean when I say fully is all of the stuff that's easily available to me, which is the 2005, from 2005 reboot onward. That's what's easily available to me. But uh, some people would say that if I say fully, that means going and watching all the classics. And I can't do that because that's a lot. Is so much. That's 27 seasons that I don't really have access to. At least not in an a easy, comfortable way to watch it. Uh, there's some things I could look into, but that's going to be something that that I have to figure out. Because one, one I'm, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to dip into old series as it is. Um, and technically... Me figuring out how to do Doctor Who is going to be kind of, kind of part of that, <laughs> because even like the the new Who is still relatively uh, episodic. While they have some arcs here and there, for the most part, it is a solid continuity, broken up thing. Like you could pretty much hop in anywhere and be relatively comfortable, though you might be confused as to who the hell this different companion is. Most episodes don't fully connect to each other. There's small bits that do, but yeah. With older series, like much older series, like original Star Trek or Next Generation even, or some of the old shows that I've been wanting to to look into, those are a lot harder to to do full season breakdowns because sometimes a season of those shows could be 20, 30 episodes long. And have almost no connecting tissue between the episodes, you know? It, it's a, it's a, a headache. It's more that if I want to cover some of those things, I'm going to have to cover maybe specific episodes of them. Like go in and be like, okay, so here's this, the first introduction of this 
concept or something for series that have legacies after them. Or for other ones, it might just be like, hey, here's this overall weird series. Here's the general concept of the series. Here's the first few episodes. Here's a few highlight episodes. And then here's how the series ended. That might be how I cover old series. I don't know. It's very hard to say. <laughs> but technically, classic Doctor Who falls under that umbrella of not fully understanding how I'm going to cover it. Because one... Old Doctor Who ran a very long time, and it, it's, it's, heck, it's going to be a bit of a, a thing. But anywho, so what did I think overall of these specials? I thought that they were fantastic. They were very fun, funny, dark at times. Uh, they had a bun a whole bunch of fucking nonsense that you just kind of, you have to blink away and be like, yeah, it's, it's Doctor Who, yeah. The only thing that I felt was a little bit weird is that there seemed to be a lot more use of green screen. Or potentially even, like, it might have been, like, the volume, because that's becoming a, a thing that's being more pervasive and spread out uh, ever since it was introduced for The Mandalorian. Like, it's something that's spreading around a lot, but it's one of those situations where you can tell that they're they're not there they're just two people floating in this weird cgi hellscape until there's like an element that they're physically interacting with like the floor for a second um but that that it's mostly a problem in the wild blue yonder um but otherwise yeah it, it's a uh, it's weird it's it's weird and i love it it it's good old doctor who and Things get super dark at times, like with the fact that the the ship's captain in the second episode absolutely killed themselves. Uh, or the fact that two people during the everything everywhere all at once scene in the third episode straight up get turned into balls. And when asked, like, what happened to them, the doctor's like, I'm sorry, they're dead. So, yeah, it gets it gets dark. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Included elements that were nice was an acknowledgement that, well, the Doctor is non-binary. Um, that was nice. Um, Donna's daughter is trans. Uh, it's not mentioned a whole lot, which is nice. It's just a fact of life, which is which is always good. Um, the Doctor is also revealed to potentially be, or not necessarily potentially, it's almost straight up confirmed as being bi, uh, as him and Donna have a discussion about Isaac Newton being hot. That was fun. I almost half expected them to resume their conversation about Isaac Newton being hot, uh, after their argument, but, yeah. Uh, what else? The... The suits were nice. Uh, I mean, they're they're classic rubbery, rubbery suits, but they are nice. Something that I would have liked to see a bit more. So, in theory, or at least in one part of what they're explaining, as so part of the reason that Rose is named Rose and um whatnot is because. When Rose was born, she was born, like, with a bit of the Doctor in her. Like, similar, because Donna, at that point, had a bit of the Doctor in her. So, she was imbued with some of the Doctor's memories from birth. But didn't fully understand what was going on, because the memories had been repressed in Donna. And... So the shed that she was hanging out in, but isn't, wasn't explored super heavily, uh, was her remembering the TARDIS. But the thing is, it didn't really hint at that very much, and the stuffed toys that she makes and sells are all, like, pseudo-recreations of monsters that they had encountered together. Except that... That was a reveal that 
would have been better if we had seen more of her stuff toys. Because <laughs> if we had seen more of the shed and more of the stuff toys, I think we might have it might have been something that we might have been able to pick up on a little bit earlier than the reveal. Because the toys that we see, well, in theory, if you decided to look closer, like pause while the uh, the Meep was hiding in all the stuffed toys like E.T., uh, if you had paused, you might have been able to see it. But it's not something that you were drawing your attention to, necessarily. But, yeah, I wish that there was a little bit more of hinting towards that revelation later on, or earlier on, so that we could have had a bit more of impact during the revelation. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, the, the creatures in the second episode are very loosely explained, and the audio mixing in the second episode also seems to be a bit bad. At least, it might, I'll, I'll be fully honest, it might be my TV, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it is, though. But the issue that was happening is that they were talking in relatively calm, subtle tones, just subtle enough to where it was about the same level as the background music for me. And I could barely understand a fucking word they were saying half the time in the second episode. It drove me a little batty, but I was able to get through it. it and it seemed to only be the second episode for me. The first one seemed fine, and the sec and the third one seemed fine. Uh, but yeah. And then the main issue with the third episode is just Neil Patrick Harris being Neil Patrick Harris, I guess. Uh... You can very much tell that it's Neil Patrick Harris. It's You can't really dissolve into his character too much. I was able to get into it decently, but the bit where he's lip-singing to a song coming from nowhere, dancing around, was was a bit um, funny. It was hilarious and silly. Uh, and the thing that kept popping into my mind was, especially with the weird German accent he kept doing, because for some reason, for like most of the thing, he does the German accent. And so you're like, this feels like a bit from How I Met Your Mother, where he like is pretending to be a German tourist to get women or something. It, it's a very silly thing. But anywho, <laughs> overall, I would say that the specials are really good. I liked the introduction of the 15th Doctor, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Uh, I'll probably try my best to keep up with the new Doctor as it comes out, and then I'll just have to catch up on the podcast eventually. Because I would... Basically, I would like to, by this time, maybe next year, or maybe a little bit beyond next year, be caught up. I basically ideally doing maybe one Doctor Who episode a month because doing doing it every other week would be a bit much but I mean there, there might be some times where I, I might bunch a couple of them together I don't know it's it's hard to say how I should do it with such a big backlog to cover but regardless next week will be the first uh season of the 2005 reboot or soft reboot and with that i mean there's a bunch of questions that we could ask like will the new doctor interact more with the david tennant doctor will david tennant just show up every so often will other doctors appear at some point there is one thing that i did think of that uh that got me thinking <laughs> that this ending technically does explain something that happened in one of the previous specials so in the previous specials in one of them during the matt smith era matt smith encounters david tennant's doctor and it is suggested in that episode that uh 
David Tennant's face is one that he liked to come back to. Uh, and also, when Matt Smith meets David Tennant's doctor, he's like, I don't remember this. I would remember this, suggesting that David Tennant, that David Tennant is from Matt Smith doctor, Matt Smith's doctor's future kind of thing. And when they meet the curator, the curator suggests that he eventually gets the ability to kind of swap faces. And you could kind of extrapolate that to this scenario that happened. But, I mean, that's just a theory. <laughs> but, anywho, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and leave that there. I am excited to kind of begin the the catch-up journey again and dive back into Doctor Who. I do hear that, well, I mean, every Doctor has rough seasons and rough episodes, but I do hear that uh, Jodie Whittaker's storylines, she got she got screwed. She got shafted on, on her storylines. But oh well, we'll see when we eventually get, uh, get there. Um, but yeah, that's part of the reason why I want to catch up is to fully experience it for myself. I watched the five-hour video. I liked the five-hour video. But I do want to experience the show and those seasons specifically for myself to fully have my own opinion, you know? Again, with that said, again, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys like this, feel free to give it a like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Or feel free to rate and review it on any podcast catcher that you may use. Feel free to also check out the other things I do. Like I said, this is on YouTube, so uh, feel free to check out the series that I've been doing. Specifically, the series that I've been doing lately is Destroy All Humans. And feel free to check out my streams. Those happen once in a while. <laughs> and hopefully, as the new year comes around the bend, I will be streaming more. My intention is to finish playing Spider-Man 2 on my own, then do the catch-up thing for Spider-Man 1, and then we will continue the Spider-Man streams alongside the Dark Souls streams, alongside the Mafia streams. We're doing it all, baby! We're gonna do it all! And then we'll work our way through those games bit by bit, damn it. But with that said, once again... Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye.